when you write your own songs, you are working on telling a good story and you're also writing something that is very personal to you. So you get used to the idea of storytelling and you get used to having a personal connection to the piece that you are performing, which is something that is really can be hard to do when you're performing any other piano pieces. I'm Ben Kaplow, and welcome to All Keyed Up. Thanks so much for listening. Today, I spoke with Christopher Oyle. Christopher Oyle is a concert pianist, composer, and teacher who leads performance and pedagogy into the future, perfecting what is and experimenting with what could be. Through his teaching business, the Oyle Piano Universe, he helps open up the minds of creative musicians around the world, and he gives them the tools to succeed in their own niche way. In addition to teaching, he also assists in production work for the Faber Piano Adventures and publishes pedagogical piano music through the FJH Music Company, Inc. His piano compositions have been described as unique and refreshing, so they make a nice addition to any piano teacher sheet music library. Christopher holds an MM in Piano Performance Pedagogy from Arizona State University and a BM in Piano Performance and Music Education from the Crane School of Music at SUNY Potsdam. He has held multiple positions on the ASMTA board, educated for several piano and composition competitions in the USA, and given creative presentations to music teachers around the globe, including at prominent events like the MTNA National Conference and the National Conference on Keyboard Pedagogy. In this interview, we talked about teaching songwriting in the context of private piano lessons. I hope you enjoy. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So today we're going to talk about teaching songwriting in the context of piano lessons. Before we get kind of into the nuts and bolts, I want to talk a little bit big picture. Obviously, teaching songwriting is not a traditional part of piano lessons, and there might be some skeptics out there who feel like it's a little too kind of peripherally related to what we're trying to do as piano teachers to be worth spending much time on. So what do you think our students gain from working on songwriting? Well, first off, I'm pretty sure every piano teacher I've ever had has always told me in every lesson, sing along, sing along. (laughs) you got to sing along to what you're playing. And so this just gives them a really real and direct reason to sing along and get used to the feeling of singing along. There's a lot of students that are very shy about singing along. And so this is just like a really solid first step in that direction Uh, because singing along really helps with things like phrasing and shaping and dynamics and all that fun stuff. And then a little bit more uh, towards the abstract side, you can say songwriting And when you write your own songs, you are working on telling a good story and you're also writing something that is very personal to you. So you get used to the idea of storytelling and you get used to having a personal connection to the piece that you are performing, which is something that is really can be hard to do when you're performing any other piano pieces. So it's good on developing those skills. And then, of course, there's also just composing in general is great because it's a practical application of the music theory and the ear ear training that you are teaching your students in your lessons. Yeah, I completely agree with your point about sort of that you're telling a personal story. I mean, oftentimes, something I think about a lot in my lessons is I want my students to feel like they're really expressing themselves and not Mm -hmm. sort of just 
following orders on the sheet music. And of course, eventually the goal is for them to be able to do that with other pieces. But being able to really like write about something you're experiencing in your own life and translating that into a musical piece gives a particularly personal connection. I also agree with what you were saying about kind of how there's some advantages of composition in general, not just songwriting, that it allows them to really experience a lot of elements of music theory kind of directly, and it doesn't feel so abstract. So one of these elements that I think songwriting slash composing is very helpful for in allowing the students to experience is the idea of form. I mean, it's one thing to show them a piece and say, look, this is ABA, but it's another thing to have a student create something in ABA. So can you talk a little bit about sort of the form aspect of teaching songwriting and how you help students understand the common forms in pop songs and decide what formal structure would be best in their original songs? Yeah, well, Usually when it comes to form, the way that I, I think I can best explain it to my students is that form exists to balance new and old ideas, and it exists to balance the tension and release that comes with any song. And so you know, that being said, you know, phil philosophy aside, <laughs> most, song, most pop songs and popular songs that I know about uh, kind of have some variation of uh, very least typical verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus chorus so we'll usually start with that and then alter it as needed if the student is interested in there are some other styles that call for specific forms like jazz jazz often calls for like like standards have a aaba mm -hmm. 32 bar kind of form or blues might just be 12 bar blues mm -hmm. and so you know, in spe some special styles, you can start with one of those templates. It really depends on like what the student, what style the student wants. And then beyond that, any alteration or additions that they want to make to that form, let's say if they're using verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, and they want to start with a, a chorus, they might want to start with a chorus because they want to start off with like a more impactful uh, section a verse might not always be the most strong section or something like that and or they might just want some before the verse comes in they might want to ease the listeners in with an intro or maybe the song ended too suddenly so they want to just ramble on and use some kind of repeated outro who knows <laughs> so just basically you know any additions or alterations to the form is based on how they're feeling about what they wrote yeah, it reminds me, this is a little pretentious, but it reminds me of Stephen Sondheim's book I was reading. One of his big sort of things in that book is content dictates form. And so I like the idea of like, it depends on what you're trying to express. That should impact what sort of form you choose. Um, I was interested in earlier, you were saying if you want to start off with a strong idea, then maybe you're going to start with the chorus. So kind of just more general question about that, because this is something I think about a lot in my lessons. What are some of the sort of basic hit points that you give students to understand the difference between the verse and the chorus and the bridge in a pop song? I mean, generally, the verse, in my experience, is where you tell the story the most. The chorus is where you are getting to the main point of the song, and the bridge is... <laughs> it's either an emphasis on the on the core the ideas in the chorus like some people just repeat those ideas yeah. a lot in the bridge and some or it's a chance to get some more 
uh, parts of the story out that you couldn't quite fit into the rest of the verse. That's an interesting way of putting it. I've never thought about it that way before as far as the bridge. Um, but I do agree that uh, this idea of like the verses are kind of where we tell the story. And the way I put it often is the chorus is more sort of big picture. So a lot of kind of going on this idea of sort of how the content of what you're trying to say how that's related to the formal structure sort of goes into the idea of the relationship between music and lyrics, which is a element that's very unique to songwriting and sort of gets into the question of whether when teaching students, we should have them write the music first or the lyrics first or both at the same time. So in the real world, when we think of the kind of the top level, I know that this is a issue that's very subjective and there are famous people who do it in many different ways. But from the perspective of teaching it to a student who is perhaps a little bit more uninitiated, what do you find easiest in your studio? Teaching the students to write the music first or the lyrics first or both at the same time and why? Well, I would always write the music first and the lyrics second because I generally find lyrics to be way more flexible. The English language in particular has a lot of different variations can mean the same thing. And then the music, however, uh, it, I find to be more memorable than the lyrics. I can listen to a song a hundred times and forget what the words were, but be able to sing every instrument part <laughs> that was in there. <laughs> so now that being said, I agree with you. There are definitely... You know, there's a reason that some famous artists start with both or start with the other. And so I'll say that there there's definitely exceptions. Sometimes my student will start with a lyric or want to really have like one phrase, words that they really want to start with. Or maybe they'll have one part of the course that they already started that has the music and lyrics. And we'll use that as like a starting point. Hmm. But generally, music then lyrics is the way I go. Yeah, me too. Although I do often, as you were saying, often have students come up with a hook or something first and then kind of figure out everything from there, like the title of the song first. Um, okay, so you're starting out with the music. So one of the first elements of kind of the musical aspect of songwriting and I guess the part that's the most relevant to what we do is creating the piano part. So how do you work with, let's say it's a teenage student who you know knows the basic of chords and can read music. How do you work with a student like that on selecting the appropriate chords and maybe chord patterns for the piano part of their song? Well, the best way to, in my experience, to, to come up with a good piano part is to look at other piano parts, look at other songs, look at what the, they're doing. Chances are the student is going to want to do something that is like something they've heard before. And so you got to look at other songs. You can use your ears, listen to the songs, listen to what they're doing. You can lose, use uh, lead sheets, sheet music. You could even Google chord progressions in this particular style. <laughs> and you'll probably get some answers that come up. And then now the only problem with that is, and I can almost see it coming out of some of the listeners, <laughs> is that there might be an issue of copyright or, or originality. And so, you know, my just answer to that is that if you just tweak a couple of elements, a little <laughs> bit of rhythm or a little bit of pitch here and there, you can make something sound original. It takes it, the, the original, it just sounds like something else. I actually did something like that recently in, I created 
there was a jingle contest that I entered <laughs> and I wanted to create something that sounded pretty serious. So I took the, I took a, a theme from law and order SVU <laughs> that goes, and I took out a couple notes. I squashed the rhythms together. And then in the background, you hear the instruments go, that's your homage to law and order. Yeah. So, you know, I'll start when I start with a student, long story short, I will have them decide what they want the feeling of their song to be, what they want the genre, the style, and then I'll make them show me examples of what they generally want it to sound like. And then we'll listen to them. We'll analyze it a bit from a theoretical and, and a expressive standpoint, and then we'll imitate some of the sounds that we hear. Even some of the drum sounds can be imitated too. Hmm. Can you elaborate on what you mean by imitating the drums? Mm -hmm. If you hear drums, set, drums are pitched and they have rhythm, therefore they can be imitated on piano. And so like if you hear a drum sound go, uh, pardon my awful beatboxing, <laughs> but it can be, you know, a boom, boom, chick, boom, boom, chick. That in my head easily translates to uh, left. I, I wonder if you can hear me on the piano. So it's uh, octave octave chord yeah, in the yeah. right hand so that's kind of what i meant <laughs> yeah now, that's something i talk about with my students a lot when we're playing pop songs in general not even limited to songs that they write as sort of ways to make the piano sound like drums um, i was listening to this interview with alex lacamoire who is the music director for hamilton and he, he was talking about sort of what he looks for when he hires pianists and he said the big thing he looks for the most is pianists who can make the piano sound like drums, which I thought was interesting. I'm also interested in that you were saying that a lot of times with your students, your springboard for helping them kind of decide how to make a piano part is starting with music they already like and kind of using that as a template as opposed to starting from scratch. I've done that a lot in terms of actual let me say actual composition, but not songwriting <laughs> composition, like take a piece from their method book that they like and sort of take the left hand from it and make up their own right hand. I mean, I think that's a very helpful pedagogical tool of taking something you already like and kind of adding your own twist on it is a really great idea in general. Um, so now let's say the student has written the piano part and uh, or they've decided which piano part they want to use as a template. Now the challenge becomes sort of singing a melody over it. So first question, so you were saying you have students do the melody first and then the lyrics after. Do you have them do kind of like a dummy melody, like with neutral syllables, and then plug in the lyrics? Or at this point, once the piano part has been sort of laid down, then do you start introducing the melody alongside the lyrics? Yeah, I've used I've used neutral syllables like do. A lot of time I'll go to do first and then... <laughs> or uh, or even just kind of like nonsense sentences like just to fill just to fill the words you know yeah. i like cheese <laughs> i like cheese there i've got like who knows <laughs> yeah that reminds me of a funny draft i saw the original draft of i got rhythm george Gerth gershwin we know it's i got rhythm i got music i think the original dummy melody when he was writing it when he just needed filler lyrics it was like roly poly macaroni so better watch that dieter but and there's like a lot of funny ones like that with gershwin okay so you have your students kind of write with a neutral syllable so how do you work with them on coming up with a melody that works above the piano part right so besides just uh making it a little bit easier and more comfortable through what you were just talking about we can also 
it helps to not get overwhelmed by looking at the whole thing for starters. You can just work phrase by phrase. And if you come up with, let's say, a two-measure phrase that is really, really good, you can just basically use that to springboard off of that. You can copy, paste, reuse, use bits of it and sequence, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So, and then, you know, besides that, the, you can start by simplifying the piano part or recording the piano part so they can focus on mm -hmm. only singing, uh, writing the, the melody. Mm -hmm. And then you can also play the melody first. You know, if they're, if they don't like singing or they're, which, you know, <laughs> hopefully they do if they're writing a song. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but if they're, uh, what I meant to say is if they're not really comfortable with singing, it helps to actually play the melody on the piano first and then sing it. Or it also could help to write it down first on sheet music. And sometimes for visual learners, that can be helpful too. They can see some things that they might not be able to hear. And then if they want to also, something that could be an interesting approach too is with rhythm. If they find, if you find that your rhythms are starting to get real boring, just like all quarter notes or something, then start with no pitches and, and work on rhythms only oh. and make and then add the pitches later. There was an exercise I saw in a, I forgot, it was like a jazz book one time. I forget what jazz book, but where it was, you know, the exercise was you're only allowed to improvise on one single note for <laughs> minutes on end, make it interesting. So anyways, you could do something like that. That's a cool idea. I've never tried that with students because I find with my students that the rhythm aspect is the most challenging for creating melodies is they do things either as you said, that are just boring rhythms, like just quarter notes or something that doesn't really have like a clear beat. So I think isolating rhythm and having them do just one note or something is helpful. But anyway, you were saying? Uh-huh. No. And again, that's not my idea. I got that from a book, but <laughs> I just don't remember what the book was. Arg. So then, you know, long story short, if they want the easiest way, again, going back is if it's okay to copy a melody and tweak it to the point where it's not recognizable again going back to that idea of you know originality that we were talking about mm -hmm. and then you know if they want to make something that is really catchy too so that's another point of yeah concern. i guess there's some words that i want to just put in your head which is uh, make it singable which seems obvious but you know sometimes the the they'll put a melody on the piano that just wanders all over the yeah. place and then they'll too actually sing it. yeah and then it's like hard to sing so mm -hmm. make it singable Make it simple, which again goes back to what you were mm. just saying. You know, sometimes too much leaping is that's complicated. Mm -hmm. A lot of melodies are are have very short phrases or only move by steps or by repeated notes, and then make it repetitive. Repetition is something that is really that makes a song memorable. It's been proven in a lot of studies that repetition humans like repetition. So <laughs> then make sure there are climactic moments in there. So, you know, this is the counter end of what I was just saying. You know, you can, I gotta make it simple, but maybe not too simple. You've mm -hmm. got to lead to somewhere and then make it unique also. So find something in there that throws the listener off. And so like put a rest where you might not normally see a rest or start, start on a part of a beat that you wouldn't normally start on, things like that. And then after all is said and done to make sure it's really catchy, you can test the memorability factor by if you wake up the next morning and you can't sing exactly what you wrote down, or, then it's not memorable. <laughs> and then just one little topping thought too mm -hmm. is, you know, 
to keep in mind that the the human voice is capable of some things that the piano is not. And so the human voice can bend, it can scoop, mm -hmm. it can fall, it can get louder through a note, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Yeah. So a lot of what you're describing, kind of that the human voice can slide, that you want repetition, that you don't want too much leaps. I guess my question is, I mean, I agree with all of that, but in real time, when you're sort of working with students on creating the melody, even if, as you were saying earlier, you record them playing piano, is this kind of all driven by vocal improvisation? Like, are they able to keep track of all of that just kind of on the spot? Or do you have them actually write out the melody or maybe it depends on the student? Yeah, so I guess it does depend on the student. I've had some students who are fairly comfortable with improvising, but mm -hmm. like I said, you know, one of the first things I said was work phrase by phrase yeah. or write a little bit at a time. Yeah. And so the students who are not as comfortable with improvising, it's much more helpful to just go like a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. just write it down, make sure that that little fragment of an idea mm -hmm. is exactly what you want. And then you can use, you know, smaller form like phrase phrasing to build on that like you know if you were to cut if you if they had a three note melody or if they like i said if they're not comfortable with improvising they can take a, a melody that's already been written yeah. <laughs> and tweak it and so you know if they had a melody that just went something like th this simple enough then they can uh, use sequencing and form to build on that the first phrase might go next phrase Ba -da -dum, ba -da -dum, right. something like that. Yeah, that's what I always try to say to my students when they sort of seem apprehensive about coming up with something is you can start with the most basic idea and turn that into a piece. But fundamentally for you, even if you do work with the students a lot on kind of developing the ideas that they write and repeating them or sequencing, and you're only working one phrase at a time, to come up with that first phrase for the most part is done through vocal improvisation? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, good. Um, okay, so now we've talked about creating the piano part and creating a melody, perhaps with neutral lyrics. So then there's the issue of having the students write their own lyrics. So I have two questions kind of about lyric writing. First, the act of going from the neutral lyrics or the dummy lyrics to the real lyrics. Can you talk about teaching students to do that in a way where they emphasize the correct syllables in the lyrics and that they write lyrics that are the right number of syllables given the melody and sort of lining up lyrics with the melody that's been written? Yeah, well, like I said earlier, lyrics are... I start with music because lyrics are more in my opinion, very more flexible. Mm -hmm. And so the you can take the same sentence and manipulate it mm -hmm. to the structure of it or even the grammar of it, depending on the style, and you can change the length of it. You can swap out words for phrases to make it fit where it needs to fit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's, if there was a sentence like, I went to the grocery store, you yeah. can change it to, to the grocery store I went. <laughs> the, or something like that. And so um, now if you're if you're struggling with swapping words, there's uh, two resources that I like to use, thesaurus.com and rhymezone.com. Yeah. I love rhymezone. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> and so just uh, gets you get, it's gotten us out of so many pickles. And so, and then as far as just, you know, one of the more important things I find is just the, like you said about stress and rhymes, rhyme scheme, rhymes often work with the, the way that the, the melody works too. So if you repeat a melodic phrase, then the end of those melodic phrases are going to rhyme. And then as far as stress is concerned, I do have like a little tip for that too. Um, I find that when the music has more syncopation and more accents, it sort of messes with your perception of where the stress is in a sentence and kind of, and so you have more options in as far as where the words are placed when there are things like that in the music. And then now if you're struggling in general with what, uh, if you're struggling with like writing, you know, fitting one sentence in, you might just have to change the meaning of the sentence slightly too. So you, instead of saying, something like I'm going to go get ice cream on the boardwalk. I'm going to, you, you can change it. I'm going to get ice cream in town. And so it's very similar in meaning, but you know, the, it changes the stresses, like the syllables and stuff like that. So just to be clear, I, I assume that a lot of what you're talking about where you might have to adjust the lyrics to make them fit the melody is probably going to be directed by you as the teacher in many instances. So if I could simulate an example, let's say the student wrote a melody that goes th like this, and then they write the lyrics, I'm going to bed. You would be the one who would have to say, well, it doesn't work to go, I'm going to bed with just, it's gonna have to be something more like, I'm going to bed, or I go to bed. That's going to mostly have to come from you, I assume, as the teacher to figure out how to take those lyrics and plug them into the melody. Yeah, I would definitely be the guide there. And, you know, you actually did something in there, which was one more point I wanted to add too, which is if you can't, if you absolutely cannot adjust the lyrics to fit your melody, you will have to tweak the melody a little bit, uh, just slightly. That you, you changed a rhythm in there in order to squeeze the word in. And so you might have to add a... a an extra, you know, 16th note in there like you did or add a little eighth note to the begin or even put a rest in there. And yeah, I would uh I would guide the student, but you know, as all as always, you know, just with good teaching, you want to scaffold your students into trying you try and get them to figure it out for themselves first before you just say, well, put the words there, you know, maybe start by saying it doesn't quite work. Is there anything that you think you can do to make sure you have more syllables than you have notes? What's a good solution here? So, you know, guide them towards the answer. But, and then if they just like, if you've asked them like five questions and they're still not getting it, then of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that approach of scaffolding. Um, okay, so now next question about lyrics could of course be the subject of its own podcast, but I am interested in kind of just what makes good lyrics in general, even forgetting the sort of the correct stresses. So I know, again, we could go on about this forever, but just in terms of the basic ideas that you would want to convey to a student who is perhaps just getting starting out with songwriting, what are some of your, or what's some of the advice you find yourself often giving students about how to write good lyrics? Well, in general, it kind of boils down to, it has to really actually mean something and make sense. So if they if they start off the whole process with choosing some it, with 
saying, I want to write about or I want to do this style because, then that'll lead them in the right direction. And then when they actually start writing the lyrics, sometimes what I have the students do before they actually start plugging in lyrics is I'll have them kind of like a journal entry. I'll have them write off to the side what they want each verse to say mm. or what they without want any rhythms point. just like without yeah uh-huh okay. without any rhythms or anything mm-hmm. like that and then it's and then they can manipulate those words to fit into mm-hmm. the the lyrics better and then when it comes to the actual word choices too the word choices can have a really big impact on the effect of the lyrics like the connotation of different words sometimes words have the same dictionary meaning but then they you know in real life they mean different things and then also there's dialect concerns too or or style like in country music you might say y'all but in that wouldn't maybe necessarily happen in a pop song and so and then there's also again with words there's the feel of the word too which is maybe a little less obvious like two words could mean the same thing like destroy or ruin but destroy has very explosive consonants, whereas ruin is very soft. Oh, and that's so, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if you're looking to say to choose a word that like bites more, I would probably go with destroy. Oh, that's and cool. So, I have not thought about that. That's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and then there's uh, poetic tools too. So, it, it, in some styles, it works better than others. But poetic tools like alliteration, inner rhymes, mm-hmm. word painting, metaphors, similes, those kinds of things that can make your, if you need to, it can make your lyrics sound more, I guess, sophisticated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like that suggestion you made about having them write down the idea they want to make apart from rhythm first and then coming up with rhythms. I think that's something I kind of learned to do the hard way as a teacher, because when I first started teaching songwriting, I would just have them write lyrics from the get go and they would just keep saying, I don't know. So now what I've done is kind of like what you're describing as a journal entry. Like I have them just brainstorm about the topic apart from music, and then we come up with something from there. And I think adding that extra step helps make the students not feel too overwhelmed. Uh, So with everything we've talked about so far, this is kind of what you would need to do for a student who's perhaps beginning and needs their hand held at every step along the way and needs to be told kind of how to create a piano part, how to create a melody, how to create lyrics, and you're kind of doing it with them. I'm wondering if you've ever taught any students who are at an advanced enough level that they can do some of that themselves and they actually come to you with a song already written? And if so, what about working with students like that? Is there any kind of advice or topics that you find yourself often exploring with these more advanced songwriting students? Yeah, I have. I've worked with some, every once in a while, a student will bring me a fully notated song. And I've worked with some similar situations too, with just composition in general, Mm -hmm. where they'll bring me something totally written. And it's a lot of times it boils down to we'll work on very subtle things, subtle ways to improve what they the the style or the feeling that they were intending from the start they they wanted to make it sound like something but it's not quite what they wanted yeah and and then so i'll help them to understand what they did better and i'll help them to understand what they're going for better from a uh, from the from that theoretical perspective mm-hmm. and and so 
and then we'll make little tweaks. And so like one of my students that came to me, she actually was, she was a piano teacher once upon a time. And she, she brought me a couple of things. One was like a, a sort of more like a jazz song and the lyrics were kind of corny. And so <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were, you know, she had some really good metaphors in there. They were really cool, but we had to change just little words here and there just to make it, just to get into the, just to make it not as bubbly, you could say. And then she also brought me a, she wrote a song for a chorus too. And she was trying to wow. imitate. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she was trying to imitate the, it was the style of Eric Whitaker, who I guess you could say, if you don't know who Eric Whitaker is one, you should know who Eric Whitaker is too. Uh, he's kind of, you could say like pop classical mix, yeah. I guess. Uh, cluster chords. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so she she had the general idea in there with harmony that you know there were big chords and that there there were some there was supposed to be like color tones and extensions all that kind of stuff in there but some of the voicing was a little bit off and some some of the the she some of the color tones she chose she could have chosen better color tones or better extensions mm -hmm. whatever the word you use for it is and so uh it was like little things like that and so and then I had another student who came to me working on producing EDM music, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and the piano was used more like a tool for checking some of the harmonies that he was doing or a tool for inputting music into the the program he was using, which is, uh, I can't think of the name. It's like, it's like Ableton, but oh, anyways. Oh, okay. That's yeah. exciting. I have students who write a garage band, but no one has gone up to the level of Ableton. That's very serious. Something uh, and we, you know, we worked on little things like the exact drum rhythms that he would use, or the the frequencies uh, he would use during the drop of a. ED, that's when yeah, it builds that, up. It kind of becomes yeah. like a music tech lesson on top of a songwriting slash composition lesson. Yeah, it's you know, it gets into some nitty gritty details. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So um, part of why I wanted you to talk about songwriting today is because you're obviously very well known as a composer yourself. So uh, before we go, can you talk a little bit about what you're up to nowadays and how everyone listening can learn more about you? Yep. I, well, as always, I'm writing lots of piano pieces. I'm teaching a lot. And I am, because the pandemic has been lightening up a bit, I've been performing more often, which is cool. And more, I guess, relevant is I've been giving uh, workshops, virtual workshops to music teacher, local music teacher associations on different topics related to composition and just creativity in general. And it, and if you're interested, if there anyone's listening who's interested in hearing one of those, you can go to my website, Oil Piano Universe. That's O-I-L-L -L, pianouniverse.com and send me a message or anyone else can go there too and feel free to just check out what I'm all about. And I have a, a big subscribe button at the top of that page too. So if you hit subscribe, you can, you'll join my email list uh, to which I have been giving away free a free piece every month and discounts to some pieces and updates about my business. Like uh, I'm going to be offering some online courses hopefully sometime soon, which will be really exciting. So again, go to oilpianouniverse.com. Great. I will definitely link to that in the show notes. Christopher, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me again. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to All Keyed Up. I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.